special event alert. Let's run. Zip up your flight suit and run. This is Late for Changeover. I'm Marty Smith, your host. And with me is Eric Perrot, Jake Wall, and Mike Johns. Hey. Okay. Greetings, fellas. See you guys. Now that I'm recording, this is fantastic. Okay. So we're using a new software, but your host is a moron and didn't know how to record. We got a little so. bit of a technical difficulty there. Yeah, it was a technical idiocy. So... Let's pick it up. This is going to be a short episode, so let's pick it up. Uh, gentlemen, I need some help on this one. This is from military.com. Space Force Guardians can now choose to work part-time under a new policy change. So Space Force can start allowing some Guardians to choose between full-time, part-time, active duty service under a new law passed last month as part of the NDAA, which was signed by President Joe Biden. Uh, they say, because the Space Force doesn't have reserves or National Guard, that they can just choose to be full-time or part-time, whichever one you want to choose. Well, so. Airman Snuffy, me, I'm just oh. going to work Monday and Thursday, and I'm going to go two to four, and that's all I want to work. Uh, work. Well, Monday, if you, did, if you just work Tuesday and Thursday, you would get a four-day weekend every week. The article wasn't quite clear on what days I can take off. But I'm well, saying that I want full health care. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I so, don't think anybody knows what what clear would be on this whole thing. It's so silly because the whole article talks about they describe what it means to be a reservist or a guard by not saying reservist or guard. Yeah. They just say you can be part time or full time, whichever one yeah. you choose. Space Force, you come and go when but, you please. That, yeah. Because because. The it's space force is relatively small. They don't want the hassle, right, of being standing up a guard or a reserve. However, there's a significant amount of our manning day in day out that comes of for space force that comes from guard and reserve personnel. Absolutely, absolutely. Like all active duty is. I swear, it feels like they're twenty five percent guard or reserve sometimes at but least. In, but the but the. The, the big benefit that these units have, the old two Swiss, the old uh, uh, 380, 19th, yeah, all yep. those. What they really benefit in is years of knowing the system. And when you have active duty guys rotating in and out and you have a guy who's been doing the same job for six, seven years now, and he's like, don't worry, I got it. I know how this, you know, I can I can train you up. Yeah, I've seen yeah. this before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, so. I still agree with what Vern was saying earlier on the explanation of some of these guys that are joining won't understand that, hey, it's about service. It's yeah. not about me going to school on Tuesday and Thursday and calling it a day. But, well, and, and, but that's what the reserve signs up for. Not, they sign no, up for that. There's still a service commitment to when they're, right. when they're on orders. When they're on orders, right? Yeah. And but the you know I mean? the the guard and reserve, they're all like, "Hey, one week in a month, and then what? Two weeks a year. That's, That's all selling, you ever hear about." Selling it. point. That's the selling point. Yeah. yeah. And well, then if you're on orders, you get TA, you get health care, you get all that stuff. So there's yeah. a good deal, but then if you're going to until it's not me, when you're toys tasked to deploy. Well, these yeah, guys have been thinking this... about this for a long time. I can remember sitting in meetings with uh, squadron superintendents, you know, five years ago 
um, going through this and having them pick my brain on the various things and expectations and stuff like that, if they were to implement something like this. So hopefully in those five years, you know, the turnover rate hasn't been so hard that they've, uh, missed a lot of those lessons learned and have actually sure. thought through this and, and created a plan so that when everyone snuffy does come up and says, Hey, you know, I'm going to need every Tuesday and Thursday off for the next semester so I can, you know, study and go to school and do my finals and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the, the expectation is already set up front that nope, you're, you're activated, you're on orders for the next, you know, six months, a year, four years, whatever it may be, but it's, you know, the expectation is clear and it's not something that you just, you know, walk up on a Monday and go, Hey, sir, can I do this, that, or the other? And then it just happens. Well, let me ask you, Mike, I was, uh, <laughs> I was out, uh, in 13, but I, I remember, uh, and I can't quite remember the years. I think it was. 17, 18, 19, somewhere around there where they were, they were, they had a change in leadership or something like that. And they were forcing the reservists to do long stretches of active duty orders. Is that right? Or it was, it was SMF, the space mission force. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Where they had to come on for like a quarter. Like, yes. Yeah, so what was happening months, right? was the space force was attempting to deploy in place their people. Yeah. And uh, what they wanted to do is they would have a crew come on and work crew operations for four months at a time. And then they would get four months off to go and do That's what they it. considered advanced training. Right. Well, basically that meant you needed to have, if you were having four crews running 12 hour shifts, you needed to then have eight crews. So then you can <laughs> have one, one part of your crew force, let's call it crew force a in operations and crew force B would it be advanced in advanced training. And then they would swap after that four months and they would just keep going back and forth. So what they were having the reservists do was, uh, they were basically saying either do this or get out right, um, or right. find a different unit. Um, but, uh, you have to come on at a four year stretch when we tell you to. And there was, you know, some people four did months. leave. Not four four months. Four, four months. Yeah, sorry, four months. Um, and some people did leave. Not very many, but a few did. Um, a lot of people had to go back and, you know, kind of reorganize what they were doing with their life. And, you know, maybe they didn't take a class at this time or they didn't take one job. They took another one. Sure. Um, but there was there was definitely some reorganization to life for those reservists that came on. And the Space Mission Force was pushed down from... Um, up high, you know, that was the space command initiative at the time. Oh, so it was a pilot program, was it? It was how the fighter squadrons did it. Well, or something so to that effect. Not right? not necessarily. It was it was it was meant to there again deploy forces and give yeah, that's our crews over that's to just wordsmithing. Hold on, hold on, hold on, stop, stop. <laughs> and give our forces over to a combatant commander and not have have them all the way administratively everything chopped over. And uh, so that the combatant commander then had charge of those crews and those crews wouldn't get come, wouldn't get pulled to pay taxes to like, you know, the wing plans and program shop and stuff like that. If they were on crew, they were untouchable. Huh. Yeah. I and I've all, I also heard some reports that there was very little advanced training going on. <laughs> at the time, I don't know where it's at now. It did yeah. start to evolve over a period of time, but I would say for the first, you know, five, six rotations, crews were sitting around just 
hanging out a lot of times, you know, looking for detail type work. Yeah. Um, you know, they would go, they basically stayed to their monthly recurring training type schedule, whereas they were supposed to be, they were basically supposed to be setting up uh, trainer time for themselves and going in and doing training rides. But, you know, as soon as these officers came off crew, they were getting picked to go do all the nonsensical officer stuff because they needed officers to do all that nonsensical officer stuff. Um, so these guys were running around handling, you know, all the different taskers that were coming down from the wing, the group, as opposed to training their people. Yeah. And uh, that left a lot of, you know, junior enlisted and stuff like that, just hanging out in offices, checking email and doing food runs. And knowing they don't have to, they don't have a mid for four months. They're like, great. Yeah. Yeah, well, certainly great. makes more sense and an understanding of why the VA can't track their money. Right? We can't even do <laughs> I'm just saying. It's just another failed program, man. That's what I'm saying. It just Unfortunately, yeah. Yep. It, it's, it's one of those programs that briefs up high great. Really good. Yeah, yeah and they're like, oh, father, this sounds great. But the execution is not clear or not forced enough. Uh, or not monitored enough, but you didn't well, in my opinion, they did it the wrong way. They didn't. They didn't focus on the advanced training up front. They focused on getting crews out to the floor and doing the deploy, the what they call the dip and dwell, deploy in place, and then the yeah. dwell period was that advanced training time. They wanted to get that out so then they could come and show people, you know, hey, look, these guys are deployed in place right now. Don't worry about these dwellers. They're doing advanced training, but no one ever really went and dug down into the advanced training. They, what they needed to do was build that advanced training up front so when you actually moved into the dip dwell cycle, the dwellers automatically had something to go in and do. But instead, they just threw it at the dwellers and said, you guys figure it out, and then took their leadership away to do leadership taskers. Hmm. Well, and, and I don't know how much. I mean, you're on a console. You're running checklists. You can't deviate from the checklists. Um, so I don't know how much advanced training you can do. <laughs> you can have all your weapons officer training, uh, down to everybody else. And you're like, Oh yeah. Tactics. Yeah. Space, space, defense, space, offense. Uh, but you still got to release that missile. Well, an advanced yeah. training defined as, uh, operating in a contested, degraded or operationally limited environment and uh, CDO. Um, so what they would do is what the, the theory was, was you would go into advanced training and look, look at foreign threats, um, and then train against those foreign threats. So jamming ASATs, you know, physical attacks, stuff like that. Um, however, that training wasn't built at the time. So these guys, you know, they, they threw really a bunch of staff sergeants and airmen at the problem that didn't have the knowledge background to build that stuff out. And then that all revolved around it you know, the new concept, at least at the time, to the Space Force crews of mission planning and debriefing. They had to do all that all at the same time. And it was it was kind of a calamity because there again, they threw one weapons officer at the problem who had 17 other taskers from the wing in the group to deal with at the same time. So he was running around for 12 hours a day trying to just put out fires. He wasn't just sitting in a, in a skiff, you know, writing up new training material and scripts and stuff like that. That was left to the crews that there again didn't have the background of the training. And that's yeah. where they so that's where they got it wrong with the space mission force was doing the dip dwell cycles first vice the advanced training first and uh to, to equate that to the flying world Vern's Vern's right right they but they didn't think about that think about how many hours the average pilot spends flying and practicing and training prior to deploying sure right 
and that and that is stagnant that training is different like it's stagnant it's like developed been there for years that's not the same way on space but to get back to the original thing of the finding figuring out what to do with the dirty reserves and how manning is going to be happening in a space a lot of the 380s manning um was people that got out of active duty but in other branches so at the 380th oh man, yeah we, right right we had we had every branch represented except i think for the coasties so you well, had army true. navy yeah um marines that got out after their four six eight years took four years off kind of like you did marty took four years off and then came back as a dirty reservist then how is that going <laughs> that manning yeah. that manpower is not going to be available if you go solely space force right? and if and if, and if you recruit i mean imagine that it, 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 i can't believe they produced this article because imagine what you just said so what's in their manning document look like do they have to now add 20% more onto their Manning number yeah. because they anticipate these many people will be, Hey, I'm going to be part-time. And you're like, Oh yeah. shit. Well, we got a cover for that. Yeah. Yeah. Or you got the guy who's like, you know what? I just want to be part-time on a shift. I'll do and four it, hours active and I'll do four hours off. That's my it can't part-time. can't be like that. I, I that's the other thing. Like we're just speculating at this thing, but, but they're cutting themselves short by, removing that whole talent pool yeah from yeah. coming in you know because you'd get guys that had had crazy experience and leadership experience that the average space guy or air force guy is not going to have right you'd have yeah. a guy come in as a staff sergeant but then was an e5 e6 in the army He's leading 10, 15 guys in crappy situations, doing briefs, doing all this stuff. And then you come in to the Air Force. And especially as a reservist, you're lucky if you've got one, maybe two people to supervise. Oh, yeah, that, absolutely. Absolutely. But that guy's got a wealth of knowledge that you can get and be like, hey, what's going on with this? How, how do we solve this problem? Right. And that's what, but but here's the, also the hidden advantage. That the hidden advantage of the reserves is that you can't. And, and I knew many people. I hired many people uh, straight in, right? Who didn't have yeah. any military time, or yep. they had gotten military and they had gotten out, and they're like, "Hey, I'd like to get into space. Well, come and join the reserves because we'll send you and we'll get you trained and we'll get you a yep. clearance." And then you can add to the mission and then go chase your job. It was yep. perfect. It was it was yeah. it was a win-win everywhere. Because we got manpower. He got uh, a high paying clearance job. And that yeah. all started with the reserve recruiting process. Now I they, God is so short sighted. It is so crazy short sighted with this part time, full time <laughs> advertisement thing. It's so dumb. Well, I don't know how you guys' experience was with the other services, but I love my guys that came from the Army and Marine Corps. Amen. Amen. They were they were they were some of the easiest to train. They they, they dealt with all the bullshit. Great. Um, yeah, Even the were, Navy, which yeah. I was shocked at. 
there was only ex Navy is always glad to be ex Navy. All my army guys that I had come over, they were just they were always really solid. You just you told them to move out and they moved out. And uh, yeah, yeah, Eric, do you ever uh, do you ever work with any reserve cops? Oh, yeah, yeah, they came in on their two weeks. Did to be honest him? with you, no, no. To be yes, honest, you with did. You, no, yes, you did. Yeah, Stop yeah. talking for me. You don't know. Dirties called them dirties, didn't no, you? No, man. To be perfectly honest, those guys were I better did. trained in instances than we were because they spent all day long training. They were better prepared yeah. than um, most. Yeah, instances. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as yeah. far as cops, cops went. Did you have a lot of civilian cops who were also or reserve or guard? Yep. Air, uh, yeah, Air Force majority Force. of them. Majority oh, of really? them. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same with the firemen. Like the yeah. firemen. Oh, yeah. Especially on base, they're not seeing anything. The fire, you know, if you have active duty fire guys on the average base, they're not seeing or responding to things day in, day out. But you have the reserve guys that are volunteer firemen or active firemen downtown. And you're like, oh, they're seeing so much. They're responding to freaking. Fatal yeah. car accidents, house fires, all that Experience crap. Experience levels is huge. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Well, I worked uh, a mission out in Washington, D.C., and uh, I was the only active duty guy with uh, Army National Guard and Air Force Reservist. And there was the, the, whole, the whole unit probably had, I don't know, 110, 120 people to it. And they're, again, the only active duty guy there. So one thing I learned about the reservists at the time was the – the vast array of things they did. I mean, you had guys that, you know, were chefs in their off time. We had secret service agents. We had DEA Intel guys. Um, You had other dudes that, you know, worked in finance. You had this, just this wide plethora of people that knew so much. It it made those mid shift conversations go, you know, (laughs) really interesting just because you had so many different perspectives being thrown at you. And, uh, you know, I think that's what they're, the space force is trying to do with this initiative is try to get that vast experience and, uh, you know, all those, uh, all those, uh, you know, different backgrounds together to hopefully, you know, look at a mission from a little bit different of a way to hopefully improve things. That's the first thing we've said that made sense. Experience level for one role. I understand that. I understand the end state, but how do you get there? You know, if, yeah, you, if you don't have a reserve thing, is it all going to be active duty? And they, and here's the other thing about the reserves too. Um, and and we've all been active duty. And I don't know why it's it's an active duty unspoken mindset that we hate contractors and we hate reserve and guard. I don't know why when you're active duty. Yeah, you're like you're not doing it every day like me, right? Yeah, I don't know what that is. But even the AGRs you talk trash to. Yeah, I know. The active reserve. <laughs> but guys if you if you take a step trash. back and you go, oh, I'm stepping into the space unit. This reservist has been here for ten years. Yeah. And like, I, yeah. how am I going to know more than him? But there are those who's like, oh, I know. He's like, okay, I was here when we were IOC, buddy. You know, yeah. but go ahead, yeah. do what you do. What your uh, uh, six weeks out at Vandenberg taught you. And I then definitely think the, the experience yeah. level is yeah. huge with those guys, for sure. I don't know. I, I, it just seems, again, it seems to me like Space Force has, has kind of, as you said, Mike, I'll kick their coverage on this. It's like, put this article out. Look how good this is going to be. Have we thought this through? It's like, doesn't matter. Put it out. Because they haven't thought it through. And this is going to be a mess. It's going to be a mess, especially 
they they keep touting that they made numbers last last year, which the Air Force or Space Force did. Space Force and Marines. Year? But Wait, I don't here's know the how they're going to keep going. You know what I mean? That's it. They kept their numbers up and they brought over a ton yeah. of right. other branches. Good point. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And they brought over a ton of relatively senior other branches and they had no mindset or no ability to bring them up to that base space level. Like we've talked about before, those guys are going to get their clearance and see, Oh, I was in the army and I really didn't have a job in the real world now. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Come over. I can just punch and get a job. Right. Being a security escort and get paid. Exactly. Right. 40 bucks. I'm not trash talking talking you at all, Eric. I'm, no, we I, had a I handful of guys Shit, yeah. that would work that at yeah. Two Swiss on their off shift. Yeah. Right. So right. when they were on their four days off, they would come in in civvies and they would read a book and just be Escort. escorting contractors into a secure facility. And make a, 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 a ridiculous amount of money for yeah. what they were doing. For a part-time job. Yeah. Well, and, and I still yeah. do that for my current company. When they yeah. call me yeah, occasionally, right. Right. they just need someone to sit in the new skiff that's being built and escort freaking these guys working. I'm like, I, I'm your guy. Yes. Yeah, I got, I'm it's not, not like you're Florida out digging a hole. Nope. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Sit there. So yeah. I don't know. I get, I you're get not this. on escort duty in the desert. No. Air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you did a lot of escort duty in the desert, didn't you? Uh, it's a decent paying part time job. Right. Wrong. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, it, it just it just it's one of those uh, again it's another one of those articles that the space force is so eager to do something, but they haven't really thought it through. Now maybe that they they should have just said, "Hey, don't put this article out. Let's let's figure this out before we put this article out." But they're like, no, 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 this sounds great. This sounds great. Well, and, and, and those guys could have all the answers to the questions we've been asking. Could you be. Know? Yeah, it could be. I doubt it. It just wasn't well written. Well, and yeah, the you know the the reporter that they talked to didn't ask the right questions because they didn't know what the difference between the guard and the reserve is. Right. Um, you know, there's there's all sorts of things that could be going on. And like I said, they've been they've been working on this stuff hand in hand with the reserves for at least the past the past five years. Well, so hopefully the, they've got a lot of these things ironed out. I I hope, I, I, Mike, you're the greatest shill for the space force I've ever heard. So <laughs> it's fucking, they should be paying you. But talking with General Petty. And when yeah. he worked at the Pentagon in a guard role, he said he had to really push his way into some of these meetings to get hurt, you know, a yeah. guard perspective. Now, a lot of this sounds like an active duty perspective on the reserves and not somebody going, hey, look at the benefit that we bring you. I mean, and going back to that conversation about SMF, Mike, SMF came up because well my my take on it is uh if the reserves weren't strong and defending the reserves when they were talking all the commanders on base then the reserves would get run over and when you have a commander who's like well reservists you're just gonna have to suck it up and take four months of active duty time he's like that's not what i signed up for well then go find another unit it's like well wait a minute wait a minute uh you want me to take my 
hundred thousand dollar a year contractor job and do four months at an E five pay. <laughs> you know, so that's 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 where the reserve components, I, I think, I, in my opinion, is not considered and pushed up into the argument. You know, yeah, we are a combat multiplier, but don't treat the reserves as active duty because they're not. They have the yeah. knowledge, but they don't have the same. They didn't one. They didn't sign up for it, and they don't have the same motivation that the active duty does. Yeah, well, and the, the activation outside of a named operation was also kind of a big deal. You know, if we weren't in, basically the reserves are supposed to be there when you're fighting a war, then you go to your reserves. The global war on terror changed all that stuff. Well, it, um, it, it, uh, it muddied the waters on stuff. Yeah. Very much so. And they're like, Hey, cause I remember when they were first, you know, when we were first activated, what? No three. I think, or something like that. and But that was short. That was short. Uh, 60 days, maybe, or something like that. Um, and then they're like, okay, you know, it's, it's, we've got enough people. We don't, we're not sitting, uh, you know, Constant extra taskings. Yeah, yeah. We're not, we want to have 10 people down there constantly sitting. So uh, then they realized, okay, we, we can still do normal ops here and still support the war effort. So. Well, and technologies and stuff like that came along to help alleviate some of those needs. Yeah, yeah, and, good point. Uh, good yeah. point. So, okay, that was a good. I'm glad we got that discussion in. Uh, I want to go back to Miss. Now, to everyone listening, Marty Smith screwed this up because he didn't start the recording. <laughs> but I do want to. I do want to do uh, cover the. Uh, I want to. I want to watch this again because I want to watch the guy words. carrying the beer. So there oh, was yeah. a rogue. There was a rogue wave uh, that hit uh, Kwajalein Atoll in the Marshall Islands. So here we go. Look at this girl with Yeah. Shows the Where did she go? She disappeared. A massive wave hit a U.S. But yeah, Davy Jones is locked. Island in the Pacific. <laughs> you good? You good? Now listen to what she said. The water says. ripping the doors from their hinges, taking two people with them. Those inside climbed on tables, clinging Do you see anybody to climbing on tables? Reach. Moments later, a second wave nope. rushes in, knocking out windows. grabbing anything Thankfully, they can only except this beer. Injuries were reported, but the army says at least a third that of girl had a slightly more than minor. She the got the smacked was by the water this and the door. Down in history right. books yeah. one of its most challenging times ever in its 80-year history. We will get through this, and we are settling in for a marathon of recovery ahead. The tiny nation is on the front lines of climate change due to rising sea levels and more frequent storms. A Pentagon study has warned increases in sea levels. And that's got to be a hell of a assignment. Greater wave-driven runup and island flooding, yeah. threatening the fresh water supply as soon as 2035. ABC News traveled to the. There is no comparison. Guam advocate over there. Guam's big. I mean, it probably sucks for finding things to do, you know, especially if you want to lock yourself in your dorm room and play video games all day. But if you're if you like the ocean, yeah, there's this guy, right? But you're next. <laughs> Non-mission personnel were evacuated hey, let's hear from that the guy island. One more the time. flooding is closed too near personnel. We're evacuated. I mean, the the ominous nature but of this guy. You're next. The rest of the world, when it comes to the dangers of our changing climate. We may go first. Are you, are you looking for the colonel? You're next. No, no that guy. <laughs> Non-mission personnel. Were... So, uh, 
the majority of that was blaming it on climate change, but uh, that was just that was Pretty cool. Wave. No yeah, thanks for thanks Crazy. for sending that out, Jake. That was cool. It, it's uh, caused by rough weather. Rough, rough weather. Yeah. No, I, I guess you can't. I guess you can't, been over this. Yeah, you can't. You can't say rogue wave, excited. right? Because yeah. rogue wave is unexplainable. Mm -hmm. Well, that's right? that's what it, it says. The huge wave was caused by rough weather. Yeah, I mean these these things do. There are actual things called rogue waves that yeah. do science. You can't yeah. argue with it. I think Hawaii Hawaii gets them every once in a while. And they're like, oh, yeah. no, we're good. Um, I was listening to uh, Adam Carolla, who reminded me of. Did you ever see the press conference when they were talking to the? I think the admiral uh, about all the people that they were putting on. I think it was Guam. I can't remember where it was. That they're, Are they're you talking rules. about when Congressman Johnson said Guam oh, was going to tip over? Because yeah, that was it. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's like, uh, "Did the admiral? Yeah. His face was delightful. <laughs> that was awesome." With the so. with the current deployment, do you think there's a opportunity a for the it. island to capsize? Or what a bonehead! He should like, he he should have pulled out something like this, like. We've built some special submarines yeah. that are under their supporting <laughs> pushing, yeah. actively yes. pushing up on the and heavy they can side sense the when it tips one way or another. So. Well, don't worry about them breathing because we put some tubes up to the surface. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's he, right. He that really faced that down a lot. That yeah. was a congressman yeah. who did that. Right? Yeah, Congressman oh. Johnson from Georgia, if I'm remembering correctly. He was also the dude that they found like thirty-five thousand dollars in cash from a bribe or something like that. And that's why. Oh, he that's. I think that's the same guy. It's not be, like could be gold bars, gold bars in your in your closet in your suit pocket yeah. or anything like that. Thirty five thousand is nothing. That's why that nothing gets done in Congress. <laughs> Atta boy. All right, Jake. This one's right up your alley. So from Air and Space Force Magazine. Look at that. Oh, a misplaced flashlight sucked into an F-35 engine caused $4 million in damage. Ouch. Right. I thought cops only caused that much damage. Yeah. <laughs> that's wow. a lot of damage for a cop. That's you to guys, their own facilities. <laughs> that's an M-16 being sucked up or something. You guys are just, you guys are just limited to cars. You know what I mean? Yeah, carving your name in a dashboard or and something. And your Dodges that you're running over. Dude, know, it was only a flashlight that got sucked up. We could have done that easily. <laughs> Dude. So according to a new accident investigation report, a handheld flashlight left inside an engine inlet of an F-35 fighter was sucked into the engine during a maintenance ground run at Luke Air Force Base, Arizona, in March of 2023. So almost a year they got that report out, causing nearly $4 million worth of damage. The mishap in question took place on March 15th of 2023 when a three-person maintenance team was completing a time compliance technical directive on the F-35. Do you know what those are, Jake? Yeah, everything is timed in theory. Oh, is it? Like we, we would do runs and practice runs when we were loading. And they were like, okay, you only have a certain amount of time to load this configuration. Oh, okay. The same thing, just in case you need to turn the planes quick. Yeah. And get them back up there so there's time requirements for everything. All right. So that's just I, built into it. A yeah. Norm normally, like the, all of our toolboxes have cu foam cutouts. Like I'm talking. Oh, so, yeah. Back I in know. the day, what years and right. years ago, I don't know how it is now, but we had foam cutouts. 
and the bottom was a bright color and or and the top was a subdued color so if you had a component missing from that drawer it was bright it would stand out oh okay and you had to put all your stuff in the toolboxes or account for all your stuff yeah prior to leaving that area or being done with anything and then you're good like man i know the one of the maddest times i've ever been for or my two man was at me is i put a wrench in my pocket like just a normal socket wrench in my pocket and then we were turning in all the tools at the end of the day and i had taken the load truck the jammer back to age to get maintenance on it yeah it the the socket wrench had fallen out of my coveralls pocket and stuck between the seat oh no (laughs) and everything's engraved everything says basically this toolbox on this place on this you know yeah and and i go back and we're turning in tools and he's like i'm missing a wrench and i'm like i got got nothing (laughs) that eight hour shift turned into a 12 hour shift because and oh man we were nights so the planes were going to take off we were scrambling those planes and we had touched almost all the planes would they not they be were clear about, to go if you couldn't no they're grounded if you can't oh, account man. for that tool because yeah, it could be it cycle. could be a flashlight in the intake yeah, or it yeah. could be on the yeah. flight line yeah and an f-16 is going to go by and suck it up right Fog. i'm guessing this i probably had in his pocket that you know it was something he bought personally it wasn't something that was accounted we're, for like you just described and we're know, not allowed to take any whatever of that stuff. he was doing set it yeah. down to talk to his buddy or something forgot about it turned around and they walk out and, yeah uh, and that's a big no-no though you can't use anything that's not accounted for on the flight line so you can't use a leatherman oh, yeah. you can't use your own flashlight. oh really you can't, you can't take any of that no all oh, the, the only man. tools allowed are the tools that are accounted for that well, makes sense. You don't want to leave that. It, shit. I mean, sure. you don't want to close up a panel and have something in there, yeah. and then it just thrash around well, and cut half the wires. Well, let me read. Let me read. I, I thought it was a pretty decent description of how it happened, and you can make you can understand it. So, uh, a three-person maintenance team was completing a time compliance technical directive on the F thirty-five to quote install a metering plug into an engine fuel line and conduct a leak check on the new metering plug while the engine was running. After the plug was installed, one maintainer conducted a tool inventory check before another maintainer conducted a, quote, before operations servicing inspection of the engine. To do so, the maintainer used a flashlight to inspect the engine inlet and left it on the lip of the intake. The maintainer who performed the engine inspection then conducted an engine run for five minutes to check for any fuel leaks. During, during that time, the cockpit showed no indication of foreign object damage to the engine, but as the engine shut down, the team reported hearing abnormal noises. <laughs> the maintainer who conducted the engine run performed another inspection and identified the damage while the maintainer who completed the first tool inventory check performed another and noted a missing flashlight. Ah. See, Ouch. so... Ultimately, the engine sustained damage to a second-stage rotor, third-stage rotor, fifth-stage rotor, sixth-stage rotor, fuel nozzle, bypass duct, high-pressure compressor, high-pressure turbine, and fan inlet variable vane. Value, $3,933,106. 
Ouch. <laughs> so if that was an A10, it would be one bent blade. <laughs> <laughs> Are even the turbo fans yeah, blade it like wouldn't even sucked up anything? <laughs> 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 that flashlight would have been still chilling right there, like nothing. <laughs> It had been spinning around, but then you turn it off and it's just like drop back out. It's wedged in there. It's like ding, 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 ding. <laughs> like spikes, spokes. Yeah. <laughs> so they did it. They did the inventories at the wrong time, right? Or he did it before and then he went out and did something after. Yeah. Damn. And then it was like, oh, shit, I'm missing a flashlight. Did you do the inventory already? It's like, yes. <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> So, uh, son, you're going to be in the Air Force for the rest of your life. Now, we used to always joke in the Army. And I, I know the guy. I know a guy who left his M16. He he leaned it up against a track, and the track took off, and it caught it up in the in oh. the tra- treads and just destroyed it. Right? He brought it back in a bag. <laughs> uh, but an M16, you know, in 1990 was you know 700 bucks. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay, you're docked seven hundred bucks. So much out of your so, month, out of your check for a month. And wait, so that's one thing to make sure that civilians understand. And I'm sure we have like one or two. They will literally, if you do damage to government property, they will dock your pay. Yeah. Like report. Like it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Done. You're irresponsible. You destroyed this piece of government equipment. You have to pay seven hundred bucks and. It will come out in one lump sum, or it will come out in five. years of service. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're getting their money back out of you. Yeah, you know. Now, what do you think that they're going to do to these two guys for a four million dollar? I mean, they're not obviously not going to get money no. out of them, right? Well, they could stop contributing to four hundred one k. Well, they, well they, can't, they can't kick them out because they've already got problems with recruiting. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you might be the safest maintainers ever, right? You, They're going to yeah. back shop. They're getting kicked off the flight line. They're going LLC, to back shop. You get reduced and you go to a back shop. But, uh, yep. you know, I mean, how many chiefs You're have in. told that story? They're like, oh, yeah, I got busted three times. And I still made chief. Because like, you outlasted everybody chiefs. else. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they did lose a stripe. I mean, that's. I didn't. They got. That's a right? lot. They're not, not going to recoup that money from them. So they. Yeah, the minimum some... had to be an article. Article fifteen. I oh, mean, yeah. at a minimum. Right? Well, because there was written procedures and you didn't follow them. God, I remember we had a division that put out uh, because we had privates who would keep trying to jump in the Humvees and just start them without warming the glow plugs. Oh uh, yeah. And they would swell the shit out of those things, and they were like, it happened so often. We had a commander who's like, if I find that problem, once again, whoever did it, they're paying for that engine. <laughs> it's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if only we had a representative that was experienced in paperwork and LOCs <laughs> and all that stuff. I mean, but he's yeah. down in Florida putzing around. So, oh, no, he's in, he's in Texas. He's in Texas. I'm, in Texas. I'm talking about Teapot. Teapot's oh. an expert. Oh, yeah. On receiving. Yeah, on receiving. Yeah. That's true. Good <laughs> point. Man. Right. I thought you were poking me in the eye again. Uh. No, no. I'll poke you in the eye later. Okay. But, 
I'm talking about Teapot. I'm throwing him under the bus because he's not here. Yeah, he could he could give us uh, local a lot representative of the outs on that. He's had so, a number yeah. of those letters. Yeah. So I think he's had all the letters. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm with him. Uh well, since uh I cut off uh well, we didn't have great discussions on that, the the beginning part, but Let's close this episode out with a really good history. Eric, you want to do that or you want me to do it? Oh, yeah. Um, let me do one and then I'll let you do yours. How's that? Oh, I'll make double history. Don't do the Pueblo. Oh, I'm going to do the Pueblo. You know what? No. We can't have double history. history. Watch. It's a good day. Yeah, do I'm the excited. Audie Murphy. I, I'm going to, Eric, no. I will notify the media and let them know we're having double history. Oh, everyone... Marty, it's gone to your head already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gone to your head. The power well, here, corrupts. Here's what I'll do. I will just mention it. On this day, 1968, the Pueblo was taken by North Koreans because they were caught spying, collecting intelligence. They were fired upon, taken prisoner. No. Good history for you space flunkies. That's <laughs> that's Tonkin Gulf, man. That's fake. Oh. Fake news. <laughs> That's what got us into the war. That's what got us into Korea, right? Come on. Isn't that what got us into Korea? I'm not going to say that. I'm not. <laughs> what do you mean you're not going to say it? <laughs> All right. Read your Audie Murphy then one. No, I'm going to let you read the Audie Murphy. No, it's oh, your. Your Mr. History. I don't want to read it. <laughs> I don't want to read it. He gets a sweet tan line on his ass and he gets all froggy, man. I don't want to read it. I had, I had a thing and you, you didn't let me know. We it. talked it's before the show and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll do Audie Murphy. And now all yeah. of a sudden you're defiant. What's the matter with you? Because I was, want to do the Pueblo, man. I worked hard on that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you worked waters. hard on that. Well, I went and found it. <laughs> He's and got I, Wikipedia up right now. Dude. He pre-read that even, so it didn't sound bad. Don't let all that water drown you <laughs> out. Figuring out how to pronounce freaking French and, and <laughs> North Korean things, man. All right. So I will I will say that I do like this story. All I'm right. Scared. All so right. I Thank you. Read. I will read it. Lame. So, guys, back in World War II, Audie Murphy. Those of you familiar with Audie Murphy? Yes. Big Western star after the war. Did a number oh. of movies big time. So on January 23rd, 1945, U.S. 3rd Infantry Division's 30th Infantry Regiment advanced through. I'm not going to name the type of force because I can't no, wait, pronounce but, it. But before that, before that, that was this was during the Battle of the Bulge, right? No. Yes. It was the it was part of the bulge, but it was a specific battle done. No, in but it, it was during the time. Pretty, when the I'll Germans show you pushed. which part of the bulge. <laughs> <laughs> I can see how important history is to you, Jake. Cut it For all up. your Mister History bulge needs, please go to the OnlyFans. <laughs> and if you and if you go to uh, his recent post, he'll show you the Mexico bulge. <laughs> this week only ten percent off for women over sixty. <laughs> That's the only ones I'll accept anyway. Come on. Yep. Nice. Come on. So on 23 the, the U.S. 3rd Infantry Division's 30th Infantry Regiment advanced through a forest yeah. near Holtzware. Good choice. When Good it choice was suddenly attacked by a large force of enemy tanks, tank destroyers, and infantry. The 30th was caught in an open ground and was, was unable to dig into the frozen earth, ending up mangled 
by the attacking Germans in order to withdraw. To fill the gap, the Americans ordered the 15th Infantry to take its place. The very next day on the southern edge of the woods, German tanks and infantry hit the regiment's Company B hard, wounding 102 of its 120 enlisted men and killing all of its officers, with the exception of Lieutenant Audie Murphy. Audie Murphy, baby. All freaking 5'4", 160 pounds of him. I know. He was a tiny dude. And little dude. And an he was LT. stout at 5'4". 5'4", 160 is a stout well, little guy. And he joined at 16, right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. The same day Murphy led what was left of his company in the woods, where they too were unable to dig in any kind of foxhole. They worked through the night, but couldn't make any progress in the snow and cold. The next morning, Murphy was reinforced with two tank destroyers from the 601st Tank Destroyer Battalion and used them along with five armored vehicles to form a defensive position. It was better, but it was still weak, and they could see heavily defended. They could see the heavily defended village at Holtzwer from this spot. It was now 26 January 1945. Murphy had made the most of what was available, but was informed that his reinforcements had not yet arrived, and they wouldn't make it that day. At 2 p.m. that day, six tanks and 250 elite German mountain troops moved out of the village towards their position. Murphy only had time to get a phone call and a call for artillery before the shooting started. It turns out that the road to a German victory in the Colmar pocket ran through the road his company was holding. The American tank destroyers opened up on the incoming German tanks immediately, but there was fire, but the fire was ineffective. They were taken out almost either by enemy tank rounds or poor maneuvering, which scattered surviving anti-tank troops into the forest. The, over, the only silver lining was the M10 tank destroyer's mounted guns, which tore into the German infantry. But even that didn't last long. Company's, Company B's machine gun crew was hit next. Murphy knew his unit couldn't hold this vital stretch and ordered his men to fall back into the forest. He would cover their retreat while directing artillery fire. With the Germans advancing and his carbine out of ammunition, Murphy spied a burning tank destroyer in its remaining 50 cal machine gun. Instead of going back into the forest, he climbed aboard the turret and began pouring fire into the oncoming enemy advance. He believed the tanks could not advance without infantry, so he began mowing them down. Murphy was right. As he cut down enemy troops, the German tanks were forced to fall back to their own tree line. He fought on as enemy tank shells and artillery exploded around him. For an hour, Murphy was obscured by smoke and fire and firing the machine gun, stopped only to reload call in artillery fire or recover from the exploding 88 millimeter shells. After what must have seemed like days, the clouds parted and he was able to get close air support from the allied air power. In the face of all that firepower, the Germans finally began a retreat toward the village. It was a great timing for Murphy because his phone to artill allied artillery suddenly went dead. He left the tank destroyer and rejoined his men in the relative safety of the forest. After he reached the tree line, the turret on which he stood for the entire hour blew up, tossing it and sky high. Refusing to be evacuated or deterred, Murphy then began a plan to counterattack. Retaking their original position from the remaining Germans, Company B held its ground through that night and reinforced the 30th Infantry Regiment, capturing the village the next day. Had Murphy not made his stand atop the burning armored vehicle, it's likely the entire company, undermanned and demoralized, would have been annihilated. Murphy was promoted to first lieutenant and received the Legion of Merit for his leadership during the Colmar Pocket Operation. 
On June 2nd, 1945, Lieutenant General Alexander Patch, commander of the 7th Army, presented the 19-year-old Murphy with the Medal of Honor for his actions outside Holtzworth. God. By the war's end, he would famously receive every medal for valor the United States offer, along with three Purple Hearts for his trouble. The little man was a badass. That's no I mean, you, you hear about him, but you don't realize. Jesus. Yeah. Sorry, man. Go ahead. No, that's all. Go ahead. We shot, we talk shit and rightfully so about lieutenants. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and those are early to mid 20s lieutenants. That's not a freaking 19 year old LT 19. with sped up military training. Like basic back then and initial training was sped up because of the war. I mean, yeah, that guy is ridiculous. I mean, it, it seems like, and, and I think they took, they wrote Captain America before that, but if you're talking about a guy who joined at 16, he was what, 5'6? Yeah, uh, he was short. Yeah, short, small yeah. guy. Uh, I wonder if they took that for Captain America model, <laughs> you know, to try to join in. I mean, Jesus. How tall was the LT? 5'6? Five, 5'6. Five, six. Five, six. <laughs> And he's and he stayed on that tank. Now this is from his movie, which I've seen yeah. the clips from the movie. It's a 1955 movie, you know. It's just he shoots, and then the the German guys go, oh, and they fall over. You know, there's no there's no real special effects. But and Eric said he stayed on that tank for almost an hour. An hour, only yeah. having time to reload and. Call in artillery support. It's like where was everybody else? Go. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> You didn't have one NCO going private. Get back up there and help that damn out. <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> Unless there was, there was like three privates feeding him mammo and stuff. Maybe the whole yeah, time. Maybe. And then the LT is the only one that got recognition. But there are well, no it, other radios. It's crazy. Nothing. You know? The movie, he, he says he orders everybody out. Yeah. He didn't want in the movie. He orders them. Right. Yeah. Damn. So you got the old salty NCO. He's like, "Hey, the nineteen-year-old said stay in the woods. <laughs> so he's staying in the woods." I will tell you guys when I was there in Colmar, he has a, a road, a highway through the city of the village oh. named after him. Yeah. And oh, everything. Cool. I sent I sent you guys some pictures, but the actual where the actual tank was set, there's a memorial and his story behind the memorial. So it's really cool. That's really that awesome. is cool. Yeah, that is super cool. To this day, they don't forget him because they um, Scotty Murphy Day, hardcore German. That's right. Well, it's amazing to you know that Germans didn't know, right? And he's mowing down their infantry, and that you know the the their doctrine was you know tanks don't go without infantry. So he looks back and he's like, oh, all our infantry's gone. So let's let's pull the tanks back. It was single-handedly, uh, big time, d- deterred that attack in time for air and everybody else to support him. That, that's crazy. That's that's so. Yeah. That's amazing. The hell of and, a story. And that and that. When was his action where he he stumbled upon the Germans and shot them all when they do, they didn't realize he was to their flank? That was like a year earlier, I think. Or it was earlier before. that year, I think. Yeah, I can't it was remember. before. When he get lost taking a piss, and then he's like, <laughs> ow. Hey guys, <laughs> I don't know what led up to it, but I know he, he kind of he, he caught uh, 
uh, a firing position like off guard and he shot them and then he got the machine gun and then it's like, hey, I'm along the whole front. I'm on the side of their whole front and just kind of went down the line and killed all these Germans. And it was like, holy shit. And by the way, what made it worse is it's in the middle of the winter. It's up to their ass. They're up to their ass. In, in oh, snow. this one. Cold Waste pocket. Snow. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. even his action before that was in. Oh, it was. Okay. Yeah, because nobody could dig a foxhole. Nobody could fight a, dig a fighting position. So, can you, I mean, can you imagine just that situation? You're coming up on enemy troops, and all of a sudden you start receiving fire, and they're like, dig in. And you're like, tink. Nothing. Yeah. Tink. Hi, yeah. Nothing. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, scratching yeah. holes in there. Yeah. Right. I'm starting to stack right. dead bodies in front of me. Yeah. Dude, the mentality. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was listening too. to an audio book. Yeah. Yeah. An audio book about the Texas Rangers. And there's one guy that's talking about getting ambushed by a group of of Indians, like Kiowa or something like that. He literally rides his horse full speed. Finds a divot in the plains, wraps the stirrup around or the whatever, what's it called? Uh, fucking stabs the horse because he didn't want to waste a bullet. And the smell of blood freaks out other horses. So he kills his own horse. It was his reins. And drops it. Yeah, the reins. Drops the horse so he has cover. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my horse has cover. What? And then he's like, I'm going to try to get a horse. First of all, I'm going to try to survive. And then right. I'm right. stuck in the middle of freaking East, freaking mid Texas. No yeah. Texas. Yeah. And I was like, what in the hell is going on? Like, these are different men. <laughs> yeah. He's well, like, this is my friend and companion. And screw it. We were buddies today, once. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and there there might have been five guys who tried that before and it didn't work. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. Even the horses. I tried that, it didn't work for me. I shot in the ass with a four arrows. <laughs> <laughs> One cheek. Can you believe it? <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> I think they were messing with me. <laughs> well good on you right, Murphy. good on you Texas Ranger and good on you gentlemen I think we're at NDEP today alright on behalf of all of us here I'd like to thank you for listening uh, please like share and subscribe and let us know how we did in the comments so make sure next week that you are not late, late for changeover hey that one was closer yeah. man thanks Eric. for the week and I'll see you next week Keep up those leg days, Eric. I saw those pictures. You've been skipping. Why are you letting him get away with uh, killing your legs, Eric? Dude, Dude, all right, here's what I'll do, Jake. I'll invite you to a workout, big guy. Please, man. I got a leg day waiver. (laughs) (laughs) I'm part-time on leg day. Part-time on leg day. I identify as a guard when it comes to leg day. (laughs) You're going to have state funding for that shit. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Uh...